welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV Series Edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And these are the credits for Friday the 13th, the series, Season 3, Episode 3, Demon Hunter. Series created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams, written by Jim Henshaw, directed by Armin Mastriani. Original air date, October 14th, 1989. Okay, so we're back with Season 3, Episode 3, Demon Hunter. So first, only because somebody asked me this on Instagram, on some podcast platforms, when it gets to a certain point, the older ones start to fall off the platform. So somebody wanted to go back to the beginning and listen to Warehouse, but the, I think, first season almost isn't there anymore on Apple Podcasts. Oh, wow. If you're looking for older episodes and they're not on the platform that you're listening to, I believe all of them are still on Podbean. And you could always go to our website, the13thwarehouse.com. I haven't checked all the other platforms, but if you're on Apple and you're looking for earlier episodes of Warehouse, you can go to our website or go to Podbean. Right now, all of those are there. I just wanted to bring that up because somebody mentioned it. And I noticed that a long time ago and I forgot to bring it up. So for every episode we publish, another one falls off the other end. Black my mind. Information (laughs) comes in, some information goes out. Something goes out. So this is the second episode in a row, if you count the prophecies as one episode, where they're not hunting for an actual cursed antique. In this one, they just happened to receive an antique that they didn't know that they were even looking for and ended up using it to fight the evil. Although we don't know that it was cursed. I don't think it was. No, I don't think it was either. It was just something that was donated to a museum in the name of Lewis. So in the first Prophecy episode, Johnny mentions that his apartment is being knocked down to build condos. So we have to imagine that he'll end up living in Ryan's room at some point. I also think the reason for these two episodes is to incorporate Johnny into the team. I think it's more about really bad things happening to show him that there's much more on the line than just hunting for curses and making him want to join them full time. Yeah. I mean, he knows about the cursed antiques, but when something's cursed, you're dealing with one antique and what one antique can do to some people. But on these two episodes that we just had, it was more about what can happen worldwide if they don't stop whatever's happening. So I think that kind of makes it more important to them to join the team. Mm -hmm. And I also keep calling Johnny Steve, so... Because it's his real name. So if I do, and I don't notice, and Kim doesn't notice, just know I mean Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) So we start the episode with a family of hunters, and they're hunting what they're calling the beast. And this was kind of supernatural-esque to me. Two brothers, a father, and a sister. The sister operates the equipment in the van, kind of like ghost chasers in Supernatural. The father drives, and the two brothers follow the pings that she and their own meters receive. So one of the brothers looked familiar to me. So when I was looking for warehouse connections, I discovered that the brother that lived longest mm-hmm. played Scott, Helen's sister's boyfriend in Vanity's Mirror. Oh, okay. So this family is the Cassidy family. The father is Farron, the sister is Bonnie, and one brother is Travis, and the other, who played Scott, is Vance. So the whole episode takes place on the same night between 11 p.m. and midnight. In this first hunt, they lose Travis. Bonnie's equipment is having a problem getting a fix, but finally she tells Travis that it's right ahead of him, but he can't see it until the very last second and ends up dead. Vance sort of blames his sister for her equipment and for the death. 
So we move on over to the store where Jack is stalling, signing the paperwork to make him a full partner in the business. He's uncomfortable, not because he doesn't want to be a partner of the business, but because Ryan isn't there and he feels uncomfortable taking his place. And I get that. Yeah. So they discuss Ryan a little bit and Mickey tells him that someone has to be in charge if anything should happen to her. So during all of this, they start having issues with the electricity. They do receive a package from a museum that's returning something that was not on the list that they sent in the mailer, but was donated in Uncle Lewis's name a month ago. Now, when we get to the end of the episode, I still don't know who donated the dagger. No, it doesn't say. that It was, you know, donated to the museum underneath his name, and then it got shipped to them. Right. But who donated it? Because the dagger was in the sister's hand when they rescued her. And I'm doing that in air quotes. So did they donate the dagger? But why would they donate it in Lewis's name? Or did somebody find the dagger after they rescued her? Maybe they didn't take it with them. I just feel like it's too much of a coincidence of them needing that dagger and the beast coming that night and that package arriving for it to be not somebody involved in this whole scenario. So was it was it Bonnie knowing that she would need... No, because that would kill her. Was it the father maybe like secretly thinking that his daughter was involved like at the end i was like who donated it (laughs) yes it's from the curator dear sir or madam since receiving your mailer we have checked for items purchased from the late louis vondrady there were none what's this we are however returning the enclosed which was anonymously donated in mr vondrady's name the piece arrived in our offices approximately one month ago with no return address he's attached an appraisal it's an... It's an Enochian dagger. A demonolator's sacrificial knife. Demonolator? It's a person who worships demons. So Jack recognizes it as an Enochian dagger. A demonolator's knife. A demonolator is someone who worships demons. Then we go to a flashback of the Cassidy family gearing up to wage war against a cult. We learn that the cult kidnapped their sister, and they've been hitting any cult they can find to find Bonnie and to kill all their members. Back in the van, Bonnie finds a spot five miles away where she's getting an energy reading. And the, the father and the brother goes out to continue the hunt. So first, she thinks that they should stop, but then eggs them on to find the beast, which is shady. So right here, I totally thought she was suspicious. Mm-hmm. The brother, when blaming her, did mention that she always finds the energy, but then seems to lose it before they're able to get it. So also shady. Back at the store, Jack explains that a sacrifice made in a particular prepared place can rise up a demon. The person performing the sacrifice becomes the caller. The caller can call any form needed, and they sign a pact. And the demon is then paid in souls. A human sacrifice made in a chamber prepared for necromancy raises up any chosen demon straight from hell. You mean half human, half something else? A gargoyle? Yes, exactly. And then whoever performs the sacrifice becomes the caller, and he simply orders up any servant he needs. And then what? They sign a pact, setting out the demon's task, his length of service, and so on. So the caller gets everything he wants? Uh-huh. What does the demon get out of it? Traditionally, he's paid in souls. They go to put the dagger in the vault. And I always get nervous when they go in the vaults. <laughs> yeah. Together. I think it's not going to happen. Yeah, because they go in together, and if they get locked in, there's nobody there to let them out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jack cuts his hand, and I was sure that meant something was going to happen to him. Yeah, me too. I thought he was going to become the beast or something. But it was really just for them to discover the blood evaporating into the floor. So the father and brother go back out, like we said. The father sees a sign made with blood on the barn. He flashes back to him and the brothers infiltrating the cult, 
And we also see a shot of someone using the dagger. Hmm. I wonder who that was. Yeah. So Bonnie's clearly part of the cult. At this point, in my mind, she's part of the cult. Mm-hmm. She comes at her father with the dagger, and he discovers it's Bonnie. And then she plays the part of the victim. Like I said before, it was so apparent that she was involved yeah. from the beginning. I don't know if they were trying to make it apparent. I think it would have been a little better if it wasn't so apparent. Right, yeah. And it was a surprise. I don't know. Yeah, you kind of knew. You kind of knew. The flashback shows them killing all the members of the cult, all the other members of the cult. Mickey and Jack call Johnny because they think something's going on. He hears a crash and scream before they get cut off, and he rushes right over to the store. So back at the hunt, Bonnie reports from the van that there's some interference blocking her again, and she's sorry. And then we get another memory of Bonnie after her rescue sobbing that she's sorry, and she couldn't do anything to stop it. So... When they showed this flashback, I was starting to wonder if the father really was getting it. Mm-hmm. Because the way she did the I'm sorry was exactly the way she did the I'm sorry in the flashback, like it was an act. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Am yeah, I making yeah. sense? Yeah, you are. I okay. got it. All right. But I still wonder if deep down inside, he might have known and just wouldn't accept it. Yeah, I think he had inkling. I believe that. Yeah, that's what I thought. She tells him about the killing. This is in the flashback. She tells her father about the killing and the beast walking up from out of a hole in the floor from hell. She convinced him that the beast was created specifically to stop her family from killing the cult members, and they're all still in danger. So I feel like they, the brothers at least, would have stopped hunting since their original mission to get Bonnie back was complete. But it was her that convinced them that they had to continue. So that was also shady. I mean, I think the father was obsessed, but I think the brothers would have wanted to give it up. I think so, too. Yeah. So the father being obsessed with demon hunting and the brothers who are really only there because the father's obsessed is another, like, reminder of Supernatural, the show. Tell me what bothered you about the scene when Johnny arrives at the store. It was dark. He just comes in. The door's left open again. Okay, that's it. Why do people leave the doors open? I kept on saying the same thing and I'm going... Is that in case they got to run out? But they never run out. I know. Never in my whole life have I walked through a door that was closed and not closed it behind me. Mm-hmm. Why do people walk in, in houses and everything and just leave the door wide open? Door open, yeah. It drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why it bothers me so much, but it does. But well, I kept on saying the same thing. Why didn't you close the door? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You, you used to get yelled at when you were a kid about... Leaving that door open. Right. And I don't even think I left it open when I was a kid. I would never walk in the house and leave the door wide open. Yeah. I don't even understand. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Johnny finds them in the vault reading one of Jack's special books. And it basically tells them that the blood is being drawn to a place specifically built for it. The grimoire says blood will be drawn to stone in a place built to accept blood. Blood was being drawn down. So the place must be underneath us. Yeah, make yourself useful and get me that hammer over there, will you? So they figure there must be something under the vault. So Johnny gets no real explanation about what's going on. He just gets a hammer that Jack requests. We don't know either. Yeah, but they, they tell him nothing at all. He goes along with it. I know. He just kind of looks at him like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jack smears more blood from his hand on the floor, and it also fades into the concrete. Jack finally explains everything that's happened to Johnny. He calls the energy surge spectral energy, what's left of the life force from the souls of the dead. They find a slab on the floor that comes up and find a stairway down 
to another room under the vault. And it took me a minute to realize it was the same room that they killed the cult people. Oh, okay, yeah. Because when we got to this point, I was like, I don't understand how these two stories are fitting together. But then I realized it was the same place where they uh, rescued Bonnie and killed the cult people. Mm-hmm. And so now, all three of them are not only in the vault, but they also go down into a room, which again, leaving no one to get them out if they get trapped. <laughs> right, I, uh, I can't forget that one other. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Jack says this is some sort of church where demons are raised from hell. And it's also the place where the Cassidy's, we just said, found Bonnie and shot up the place. Johnny finds that this place is connected to tunnels that probably lead to sewers. So they would never know anybody was down there because they could come in through the tunnels. Jack wants to close it up with cement in the morning. Johnny thinks they're overreacting. Jack finds the contracts he was talking about earlier, and they had the mark that we saw in the barn earlier. Mm-hmm. Jack also realizes that Lewis must have built the vault to keep anything from escaping. I don't know. If Lewis was such a, a deal with the devil guy, why would he care if anything escaped? I mean, right. unless he'd be in danger somehow. I don't know. But he determines that the beast could not get out of this prison unless its caller leads it out. And the only way to break the contract is to kill the caller with the same knife used in the original sacrifice. Well, lucky thing, they've got that. Mm-hmm. Johnny still doesn't believe all of this, but Mickey finds blood on the ceiling and Johnny finds more. They tell Johnny to stay and keep an eye on things while they go upstairs to study the contracts. Nope. No, 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 no. I would never stay down there alone. Yeah. Even though he's not a believer, sorry, the place is full of blood. I'm not even staying in the house. I stand overnight somewhere where I got all this stuff underneath me. Right. I don't think so. <laughs> and everybody leaves the door open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so during all of this going on at the store, long story short, because the demon hunting is so uninteresting to me, the second brother is also killed by the beast. Bonnie tells her father about the energy source and then tries to talk him out of going. But that was totally an act because she knew that now that he's lost both sons, he would never give up. So Jack and Mickey check the contracts, and Mickey finds one dated that day. What's happening downstairs has something to do with these contracts. I only find the right one. This is strange. What? It's dated today. But these scrolls are written a while back. Why pretend they're signed today? Demonic contract isn't dated when it's signed. It's dated for when it becomes due. Jack tells her that it means that the contract comes due today. And it's a full moon, the only time demons can rise. So the energy is calling the beast back to the store. It will have to be before midnight. 
So Mickey says that it can mean any time that night, and I love how they know the Beast can show up at any time and give zero thought to Johnny by himself in the basement, where the Beast will be coming back to. They're just, like, discussing it. Well, that could be any time. How are we going to figure out what time? Meanwhile, he's in the basement by himself. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Jack checks his book to learn how to identify the Beast. It's a full moon. Demons can only rise or return on a full moon. That's why the spectral energy is gathering. Whatever was called up here is coming back. Sometime before the contract expires, like midnight. That could be any time. What can we possibly do? Some demons can be rendered powerless or even destroyed. If we can identify him, we may be able to find a way to stop him. Meanwhile, Johnny's getting creeped out by moaning and then by a hole of blood he finds with an image of a head. (laughs) (laughs) With an image of a head. Oh my God, that was terrible. That wasn't even scary. It was terrible. I was trying to figure out what it looked like because it didn't look like real blood. No, and I wasn't sure it was blood. I'm just calling it blood. Yeah, but it kind of looked like, I don't know, pudding with some food coloring in it or something. Like it just didn't look right. It looked like goo or ooze with red dye in it. And then the projections... We'll go on about the other one later on. Go ahead. The projections of the head were just hilarious. There had to be a better way to do that. But anyway, (laughs) Jack and Mickey do finally come back. They've identified the beast as Araman and tell Johnny that Araman's souls are arriving to be released. So Araman was called up to avenge the cult members that were being killed and that were killed. He has to kill all the killers, which we now know are the Cassidy family minus Bonnie. He has to kill them all before midnight and all of the cult members will be brought back to life. So Johnny thinks that something in the vault can stop the beast, but Mickey thinks about the vault itself, possibly keeping all of this from happening, and Jack realizes that the beast's caller will have to come to lead the beast, because the caller is human. If they stop the caller, they stop the beast. Jack tells him that the caller will have a symbol that we've seen a few times already on their body, but the Cassidy's are already in the room. And they don't believe that Jack, Mickey, and um, Johnny are trying to help. And then outside, we see the beast has also arrived. And I have to think that they had a hard time making this beast because we never really saw a full body. Oh, really? Thank God. You know, we saw the head and we saw the feet and we saw it in shadows. So I have to imagine that they weren't able to make a realistic looking beast to be able to show it to us. It looked like a gorilla mask. Yes, that's what I mean. It was pretty bad. I have to imagine that they just didn't have the budget to make it into a scary looking beast. So we only saw little glimpses of his face and his feet. Jack knows that they're the cult killers, but they won't listen to him. They shut him in the basement and go to search the store for the beast. Johnny wants to escape and use something in the vault to stop them. And when more faces show up in the blood pit, (laughs) they're finally convinced to open the patch. Now, so they shut him in the hatch. So I'm thinking they're trapped in there and they could have gotten out. So they're just standing there. Wouldn't Mm -hmm. you choose to get out, even if it's dangerous, on the outside? Because otherwise, you know you're stuck in there when the beast shows up. Mm -hmm. So why are they standing there, like, leaving us to think that they can't get out when all they had to do was lift the hatch? Yes. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just me. I did like this one, but there were some things that I was like, really? So all of this running around the store in the dark is making me nuts. Bonnie and her father search the store and set explosives everywhere. Bonnie finds the beast coming into Mickey's room, and she shows it her mark. So now we know for sure, not that we didn't know the whole time. Mm -hmm. Mickey, Jack, and Steve get into the vault, and Steve grabs the dagger. Steve also determines that the caller is never going to get past Bonnie and her father, 
so it must be one of them. So Steve mm-hmm. came up with something on his own that Jack and Mickey didn't think of. So Bonnie's father sends her downstairs, and he goes upstairs to where the equipment is leading him, to Mickey's room. The beast attacks, and Bonnie does not go to help him. He's able to shoot it like a million times. And again, I'm saying, the neighborhood just must say, oh, shots firing again. Right. We don't have to call the police. (laughs) There's always shots for going off there, and they never have the police coming. Yeah, nobody's just walking by hearing it. (laughs) The door is open. Right. (laughs) And the lights are flashing on and off. Yeah. The street light outside in the store, the lights are flashing on and off. Everything else Mm -hmm. is dark. (laughs) So after he shoots it a million times, it falls off the balcony. But it's not laying on the ground, so it's not dead. It takes off. Jack makes Johnny leave the dagger as they venture out, and we see that the beast is out in front of the store. So the father goes to fire, but something explodes, and I'm not sure what. I'm not sure where that explosion came from. Was it electricity from the lights going on and off? Where did that come from? I don't know. Because something just exploded and, mm-hmm. and throws him back. So I didn't know if it was one of the charges they set or if it was, you know, how the chandelier exploded. Right, um, yeah. Yeah, I had no idea where that came from. Bonnie's there when Jack, Mickey, and Johnny make it out of the vault. Johnny struggles with her, and she drops the gun. Mickey grabs it and points it at her, and Mickey sees the mark. So I have to say, when Mickey grabbed the gun and pointed it at her, she kind of looked like she should have been in a cop show or something. Yeah. I mean, she did a really good job at acting. I know it's a dumb thing to say because she's acting all the time, but she really looked convincing. Right, yeah. Like she's learning her role. Right, like she knew what she was doing with the gun, Mm -hmm. and she looked like she could have been in some kind of cop show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So just as Mickey sees the mark, Farron, who's running from the beast, gets downstairs to see them holding a gun on his daughter. But Jack forces them all into the vault as the beast starts coming down the stairs. So as the beast tries to break into the vault, Jack, Mickey, and Steve try to convince him that Bonnie is the caller. Mickey even turns over the gun to prove that he has nothing to fear. I understand what she was trying to prove, but both of them are fanatics in different ways. The father's a fanatic in one direction, the daughter's a fanatic in the other. Right. Bonnie tries to convince him to kill them, but Mickey, Jack, and Steve keep explaining what they've learned. She finally drops the facade and tells her father that she joined the cult. She wasn't kidnapped. And when they learned that he and her brothers were out killing cult groups, she decided to play along when they rescued her so that she can cause the death of all three of them and bring her people back. So that whole ritual they were performing before her father rescued her was against them because they were out killing all the cult groups. So when she told her father earlier on that they created the beast to kill them, she was not lying. Steve grabs the dagger and tries to stop Bonnie, but her father stops him and opens the vault and throws Steve down the hatch. I was kind of confused about this. I thought the door that opened was in the back of the vault, and I was like, why is there a door in the back of the vault? It was kind of confusing. But it was just the door of the vault that opened. And then then he throws Steve down the hatch and throws a grenade at the beast. The grenade explodes and, uh, I guess, busts a hole in the floor and drops him in the basement with Steve. Right. So Mickey stops Bonnie from getting downstairs. The Beast and Steve fight as Farron and Bonnie struggle. As Bonnie is stabbed by her father with the dagger, the Beast loses his power and Steve is safe. So the Beast falls. I had to watch that scene like three times because it looked like he jumped into the hole, but he didn't. He fell into the hole and was trying to hang on. But it looked like he was just going in and crawling down into the hole the first time I watched it. Yeah. So the Beast falls in the hole and falls to hell, I guess. 
So the next day, they cement up the pit and mark it with the same protection markings that are used on the vault. Steve is feeling strange about what happened, as you would. Like, he wants to make sure that there was no other way they could have stopped this other than killing the caller. He feels weird about it. So Mickey thinks that it all could have been avoided by the father not blindly believing in his daughter. And that's yes or no, but, you know, you would like to think a parent does believe in their child, you know? Yeah, at one point. Right, at one point you have to see reality. They just lost two, lost all three children. Right, right. Now all your children are gone. And mm-hmm. I still say, I've, I feel like the flashbacks not only were for us to show us the backstory, but I still kind of feel like he kind of had an inkling, but wouldn't admit it. Right. Or were the flashbacks just there to show us how much he's actually missing and he really doesn't have a clue? Mm-hmm. You know? Hey, guys. What happened here? There was no other way, right? Well... Karen hadn't been so blinded by love for his daughter, perhaps there would have been less blood spilled. The truth really hurts sometimes, doesn't it? You know, there's an old saying, if of the many truths you select one and follow it blindly, it'll become a falsehood and you a fanatic. Okay, so what did you think of this one? Yeah, it was okay. You know, it was kind of dark for what I was watching on YouTube and the makeup was just um, and oh. that's just awful. Even the growling or whatever. And I'm going, why does it sound like that? And Well, yeah, when I first saw the beast and how they were just showing his face, and it's probably better off that they just showed it in the shadows because if the makeup job on the rest of him was as bad as the face, it would have just right. not even been scary at all, which it really wasn't because it didn't really look that good. One scene, though, in the field. Okay. And hands were little. Like, I- they looked like regular hands. Like, maybe a young female's hand. Oh, really? Yeah, for some reason, the hands didn't look right. I'm going, female, like, just small. Oh, I didn't even it, notice. It, it, yeah, it, it was, but that's what it looked like to me. It didn't look right. Yeah. Maybe they just missed that. Like, oh, the hands are going to show. We should probably do something about that. <laughs> right, or maybe they meant to cut it out and forgot. Yeah, I'll tell you. I didn't watch it on YouTube. I watched it on the DVDs, and it was still very dark. Okay. Which is why I couldn't figure out what was going on in the vault. Mm -hmm. It was just dark, and a door opened, and it looked like it was the back of the vault. And I was like, why is there a door in the back of the vault? Mm -hmm. And then I I was really confused about that. I liked it because it kind of reminded me of Supernatural. But, you know, I could have done without all the hunting of the beast by the father and the brothers. Because when it's a guest doing the hunting for something that doesn't involve the regular cast, like they're not hunting the regular cast or they're they're not trying to get to something before the regular cast does, you know people are just going to die. Those could have been a lot shorter. Right. Because it wasn't interesting because it did have something to do with what's going on at the store, but they weren't hunting for the artifact and trying to get it before Jack, Mickey, and, and Johnny. It just wasn't that interesting, the hunting part. Part of it. It is just kind of a waste of time. But mm-hmm. like I said, she was clearly a cult member and they found her with the dagger in her hand. So I know he could have thought that she was Patty Hursted after she was kidnapped, which as it turns out, she wasn't. I think he understood when he grabbed her from the cult <laughs> that she had been like brainwashed, Patty Hursted, whatever. Um, right, yeah. And I think he thought that they deprogrammed her or whatever and she was back to her normal self. Mm-hmm. But I still think that he thought something, or should have. Right. But 
like his daughter and Jack at the end said, it sort of became an obsession with him because she even said that to him. Right. She knew even if she told him to stop that he would want to keep going and that the hunt was kind of more important than the reason they started hunting at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the warehouse connection, the only thing I could think of was the dagger that Claudia used to stab Artie and remove the evil from him. Yeah. And that was Francis Borga's dagger. The mysterious knife that haunted Artie's dreams after he used Ferdinand Magellan's astrolabe to reverse the destruction of the warehouse. It separates something good from something evil, like evil Artie from real Artie. So it's kind of funny, though, that these last two episodes, I'm counting prophecies this one, remind me of the same episode or a couple episodes of the astrolabe storyline. Oh, okay. Like the dagger and them being in France and everything kind of reminded me of that whole astrolabe storyline. Oh, yeah, huh? Yeah. So I'm wondering, the next episode is called Crippled or something. In- mm-hmm. And I might be just totally projecting, but because of, what's his name? Sykes? who was in the wheelchair, who pretty much started that whole storyline. So I'm wondering if I'm going to think the next episode reminds me of this story arc in Warehouse. I could be just making it up. (laughs) I mean, it could be totally about something totally different. (laughs) So I also found it really funny that I actually laughed that Mickey, after they cemented the pit so nothing can escape, is extra glad for the extra space since they were running out of room. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I thought that was so funny, but I did. Yeah, let's um, expand our store into the creepy demon church. (laughs) But the floating heads, oh my God, that was the worst. Remember, and I remember we were both laughing at it. Was it when Uncle Lewis went to hell? And we were seeing projections of all these antiques, like all these floating antiques. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it just looked ridiculous. And these floating heads, I don't know what they could have done, but that looked terrible. (laughs) But over and above the bad effects and the bad beast, I did like it. Yeah, okay. Again, not one of my top ten, but I did like it. All right, so we'll be back with the next episode next week. See you next week. Bye. This is Doug, reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, Provided by Anton Kornienko. Pixabay user 147-98912. Free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.